Okay. So, welcome to the off-season where we decide we want to be spiteful motherfuckers. I thought so, man, Colin. I hope you're ready to be the lead on this podcast here because I don't have anything in front of me. Okay. So, we're going to go in chronological chronological order. We're going to start with the Svech deal. Andre Svechnikov finally signs the deal. And, I mean, pretty much all year long, we had been told there was going to be a bridge deal. And then, um, no. And it ended up being an eight-year deal at $7.75 million. So, I think... To be fair to the media, I think what happened is it was a pretty safe bet that Tom Dundon would want to see a little bit more because Andrei Sveshnikov, through this point in his career, if he never gets a step better than he was last year, is not basically an $8 million player. Probably what's surprising about the deal or why people expected that it would be a bridge deal. Kind of interested in your thoughts. We haven't really talked about this. What do you, like? Do you like it? Do you hate it? I mean, I, it has really great potential. I like the deal, first of all. Let's, let me start with that. I like the deal because it has really great potential. Because if Andre does what everyone thinks Andre is going to do, that's going to be a really team-friendly deal. And, of course, it's not without risk. He could plateau. This could just be where he, where he is. I mean, imagine if he's a Jeff Skinner 2.0. Like, that could happen. But overall, I think it's a good deal, and I'm not like I'm not surprised they went for Tom because Dundon loves Svechnikov. I'm pretty sure if he was told he had to sell the team, he would still try to figure out a way to keep Svech. <laughs> I don't love the modified no trade clause in the last couple of years. Hard to predict where you're going to be eight years from now, and maybe Svech would have been a very good deadline acquisition for somebody, you know kind of complicated that that's part of it uh but the term is great the money i mean the it's one of those things right where it's too much until it's a great deal if that makes any sense yeah so i knew it's and we're gonna we're gonna get to this right all the like offer speech offer sheet fetch stuff i didn't know that it was going to be an eight-year deal but I just knew there was no like special likes to be here. Yeah. So I didn't really, I didn't really ever think for a moment he was going to leave. I signed an offer sheet. So just a small thing on the no or the modified no trade clause is it doesn't kick in for four years. Cause I thought about the same thing, but in four years we'll know. By the time that but you, I, what around, I'm saying we'll is, know. but you won't, right? Because you don't care about that four-year window. You care about an expiring deal, deal where Svech may or may not resign, and you're, you know, eight points out at the trade deadline, right? Do you, do you, I mean, I guess there's no way to know, but if you just had a galaxy brain it eight years in advance, do you think that's how Svech's career would end in Carolina? I think people really love him, but. It's really easy to love someone when they're on a really cheap deal, you know? I like Martinuk, but if Martinuk was making $4 million a year, right? <laughs> yeah. I, I mean that seriously. Like, you know, so... Spe- no, I mean, you're, you're absolutely right. He had a weird absolutely year, right. right, where things were kind of like... At first, the first seven games of the season, 
I was pretty sure he was going to be a, a you know a hard contender, right? And it, you know, he just kind of. I think a lot of it is that a lot of other guys scored, right? There's a lot of goals for other people, and I, I do think he needs to work. He needs a couple more offensive moves. He needs he needs one more. He's just a one pitch reliever right now, offensively shooting anyway. But um, I'm you know that doesn't matter because he was making no money. Now if that happens again this year and you're making seven million dollars, basically eight million dollars, it's gonna be rough. Yeah, it'll be a different vibe. Is all I'm saying. Next, we're gonna transition to uh, I legitimately my favorite off season moment. Which actually, you know what? Let's let's set the let's set the stage. It was August of 2019 when one Sebastian Ajo signed an offer sheet with the Montreal Canadiens. And for those of you who don't know, the offer sheet was designed for Carolina not to sign it. At the time and to this day, Tom Dundon has the reputation of being really cheap and not wanting to pay for things. We have said many times I think it's wrong, but that is the perception. And the deal was set up to pretty much be entirely signing bonus. So Tom Dundon didn't want to sign a $24 million check, so he's not going to sign Sebastian Auto. So the Montreal That's number, $24 I know it was an absurd yeah. amount of money. Yeah, it was a $24 million check he had to drop to be able to keep Sebastian Auto. And when it came out that it happened, because he's not cheap, it was, yeah, no, we're going to sign this offer sheet. In fact, we are going to sign it, but we're going to wait all seven days just to screw over the Canadians who are trying to pull this BS. And then, I guess it was two days ago now, the Carolina Hurricanes decided that they also wanted to attend to an offer sheet and that they were going to do it on a one-year deal for $6.1 million for uh, just for... Uh, don't remember that's his first name, but it's uh, Kakamini. Yeah. yeah. And uh, the beautiful part of this offer sheet is we gave him a signing bonus on the offer, which of course, any any guess, Wesley, what it was? I know you know, but still. Was it seventeen dollars? No. Even though, and this is a side point, the Carolina Hurricanes do have a long history of doing things like this. Rod got signed for talking trash about referees and the team paid a fine. It was a $10,017 fine payment. And then when they re-signed Svechnikov, he gets $7.75 and then $37 every year. They're really big on this, like, symbolic number. And they give him a $20 signing bonus. Now, Wesley, which player on the Hurricanes wears number 20? Uh, what's his name? It's the finish guy. Oh, yeah, it's, it's one of our mini fins. I know it's hard to confuse, but it's it's the very same Sebastian Ajo. What what are your thoughts on the offer sheet, Wesley? Well, it's interesting. It's actually funny to see. So I've seen – I have a lot of thoughts. I want to frame a couple different things. I've seen a lot of models for him. Um, I, I, I like Dom at the Athletic, and this is not in any way his fault because he would tell you that all models are flawed. But there's this new, like, Twitter move where, like, you offer somebody something and then somebody's like, well, Dom's model said this. 
And I guess that's like an impenetrable argument in these people's minds. Um, so in this model, you know, the projected upside for, we're just going to call him KK. The projected model has him as a good third line center. And there's all this talk about, um, you know, he he's not a great NHL player yet. He's had a lot – like, you got to delete the third-round pick or the third-overall pick thing from your mind. He's played a lot of hockey. He is, he is not – he had a really good rookie season, and it's been a little weird since, right? Now, to his credit, uh, you have two COVID seasons, so that's something. Um, but – I've, so I've seen a lot of, like, third-line center. Maybe he'll replace Trocek at center, whatever. I think that's short-sighted. He, to me, is going to replace Nino. He's going to be a winger. And if he can play center, that'll be great. But even if Trocek leaves, uh, like, Natus is going to be your second center, right? Unless this guy takes an unbelievable, unrealistic leap. So I think this idea that he needs to come in and be your second center is, uh, it's just false choice, right? I, I think he, you know, he needed to be a center in Montreal. He does not need to be a center here. It'd be nice, right? You never, you can never have enough centers. But I think this guy could legitimately. Can you offer sheet this guy, get him, and then trade Nino as part of the Tarasenko? They eat some money there and get there, right? How does that look? Is that something you could pull? And then you have Tarasenko, Tarasenko on your second wing. You have that guy playing on your third, right? Okay. So those are options. So I, I do want to kind of clear the air, or at least like kind of frame that, right? I, I, do, I don't think this guy is going to come and be our second center. Um, I think another thing I've seen, I've seen a lot of that I kind of want to touch on too is this like, oh, well, it's just billionaires being awful to this kid and, you know, they're just spending their what? money and you can have all this pressure. This is all in Montreal media, by the way. Not, not just like Twitter people. Like media people. Okay, I, I'm obviously having a lot of fun with this off sheet talk. This has literally made my Saturday. This kid, so all reports would have been that he probably would have gotten a one to two year deal for about two million dollars. This kid got an offer sheet for six point one million dollars. He does not care. He also doesn't like it in Montreal. He doesn't even speak French. And that's kind of where I was going with this. Where, and this, it's something I've like, as someone newish to Twitter, I don't really Twitter, sports people talk like crazy political conspiracies, conspiracy theorists, guys. So I've seen uh, a lot of like, good luck paying them $6 million and this, that, and the third. Everything I've read, all the rumors, is A, it looks like they're going to let him walk, which is what we wanted. B, um, the, apparently there's a handshake deal in place for a January extension at a much lower number. So you're not going to have to offer sheet him at $6 million next year. But I'm telling you, man, if you look at in the Montreal media, this is they've set this kid up to fail. He's just a pawn in their games. This is just a joke. You know, the Hurricanes have no idea what they're doing. They wanted this player. I don't know if you've seen the reports, but they tried to trade. Yeah, they, they tried, tried to, to trade, trade for him. him. I think a first and a third and something else was offered, and they wouldn't yeah, move. I so they were like, well, why don't we just spend you, money? I guarantee you Montreal would have uh, taken almost anything else at this point if they realized what was going to happen. 
Because the, I think they're going to let him go. Be seized, nothing less. They're they're gonna let him go, I think, and they're gonna take the picks and they're gonna trade him for another center. I think that okay. I, that to me makes the most sense because if you're them, you can't afford to pay him. And not to like bring up the Dougie thing, right? But when everybody's taking a little bit of a haircut, you can do things like this. But if you've got a team where everybody, you know, got a little rich because they're playing in a hard market. This is different, right? So this is a deal you can't swing if you're paying Dougie nine million a year. I've actually, I've actually seen a lot of well, how come they could pay this kid six point one million dollars a year and not pay Dougie nine? And first of all, two different transactions. But realistically, they had no idea that they were going to do anything like this when they didn't sign Dougie. In fact, so yeah. it's been credited, this movie's been credited to Tom, to Dundon, is that Dundon came up with this idea. And every way I've seen it framed is look how spiteful Tom Dundon is, that he specifically went out of his way to do this. And, I mean, Tom Dundon is a really spiteful dude. But if you think about it, this is actually the best hockey move they could have made. They tried to trade for the kid, and Montreal wasn't having it. And we apparently made competitive offers. So what are you going to do? Well, Tom Dundon remembers two years ago when he had to sign a check for $24 million. So, you know what we're going to do? We're going to offer sheet this kid and get more back than what we're going to give. And, you know, good for them. I, I see absolutely no problem in them doing this. Like, the 6.1 a year is kind of insane. But when you look at you're stealing the potential, you're not just stealing the modern game player. You're stealing his potential and we have a coach, which some players just play really well under. It's like a known quantity. I think too, to, and I want to. I like what you're. I want to circle back to that there. It, the the offer sheet is perfect, but they perfectly executed by the Hurricanes. Because what are you? What are you doing with an offer sheet? You're making an offer that the other team won't match. So if we had offered ten million dollars, that's a bad signing, right? But the hurry at six point one six, it's just enough money where you're like, oh, that's a lot of money. But you need them. It's just enough money where you're like, well, it's only six. You know, could we make that work? Could we extend them? Whatever. So it's a perfectly executed offer sheet. I think that needs to be for all the spiteful this, that, and the third. Like you said, they wanted this player, they couldn't get him, and then they offered a perfect offer sheet. I think if Montreal takes them, it hurts. And if they lose them, it hurts. Congratulations, you nailed it. You have to nail it. <laughs> I think realistically, he'll play. I, I think if if they pull off getting him, I think you'll see one more move. I, by the, this is, like, totally unrelated, but I was just kind of thinking about the team. I saw a, like, tier list on, on Twitter somewhere where they had Ned as the sixth best goalie in the NHL. Good luck, kid. <laughs> This was not a case thing either. He's going to have so much pressure on him. I kind of feel bad for him. Hopefully he doesn't. Hopefully Detroit sucks and he can stand on his head, but they're not good. A first and a third in this draft is a lot. This is a pretty loaded draft. I don't think Bergevin is going to blow it up, but this is this is ugly for him no matter what. Yeah. Yeah. I, we, we already kind of we nibbled around the edge, but – I just need everyone to understand that this was not purely a revenge scheme for the auto offer sheet. 
This is not purely a thing done out of spite. This was a good hockey move. Yeah, they want this player. So the last thing, well, actually, there's two things, but one of them is a lot smaller. So since the last time we recorded a podcast, uh, Michael Smith announced that he'd be leaving the Hurricanes organization, which is sad and all, but came podcast might be over. That all is important, whatever. But Michael Smith, as a non-member of the Carolina Carolina Hurricanes organization on Twitter is amazing. Because he's just out here trash-talking people. He's literally out here yeah. calling people boomers. Rip Michael Smith. Moving forward, I think we're going to give a Michael Smith favorite media member award at the end of every season. That's not a bad idea. I like Michael Smith. His Twitter presence has been funny. What what really works for him is that, and this his, unfortunately this power will fade the longer he's out of it, but he, he, he basically has all the knowledge and power of somebody who, who works for the team, but none of the responsibilities, right? And that'll get yeah. five years from now, that'll be different. But for now to see him be a little spicy is great. Again, I've seen a ton of Montreal media on this. They, it's hilarious. They suck, bro. It, it's incredible when you see stuff like this flare up. It, it really, to me, frames why guys would want to come play here. Like, oh, yeah. there's obviously the taxes, right, and school and the weather and all that, if you don't mind humidity. But just the – like, sometimes I'll hear these stories, like – and then you just see the way the media handles things. You're like, yeah. oh, shit. We've talked about stuff like this numerous times. I, I think a lot of it has to do with, I mean, hockey is not a major thing in our market. I mean, it is, of course, but, like – College basketball is a bigger thing here than hockey, which neither here nor there, no one's going after college basketball players either. It's just like it's a lot less toxic of an environment, and it's all from the media down, which is I don't remember what incident happened earlier this season where you and I were like, we need to say something to the media. This isn't okay. But like it only happens if fans let it. So as long as Hurricanes fans or non-accepting of sports writers I remember correctly after people. Quote, toughness. Of, of certain players was called in question. Oh, yes, I believe that was it. Um, but, yeah, as long as, as long as us as a fan base continue to call out, like, BS personal attacks against players, we'll all be fine. So my, my final topic of this podcast, because it's going to be a short one, was I was reading a mailbag. I was on The Athletic, but I don't remember who it was, which is sad. But someone asked the question – if in the past three years have the Hurricanes switched to a heel role outside of our baby face role. So we used to be like a nothing easy win team and we we're just kind of like everyone's favorite loser. And now we're like that asshole team in this guy's eyes. But I didn't necessarily disagree with him. I don't think we're assholes because I cheer for us. So obviously when we tweet out an image of a reverse card in reference to the offer sheet, I think that's hilarious. But I can see how other fans might see that as obnoxious. And I think it's also 100% true that in the past three years, the, change, the face of our franchise has completely changed. While our culture has remained the same and has been rooted in the area since 97 with the tailgating and the woos and whatnot, the actual culture around the team is completely different. You know, two things. I, I read the same article. That guy... I was like reading it, and then he he made a point of uh, uh, 
David Wright slash uh, early career Noah Syndergaard and, and combining those players into the, like, I was just the absolute wrong person to read that. And I, I closed it. That guy really didn't know what he was talking about. But It's funny because I, I read a lot of that. Thought about you. I, I think a lot of that is wrong, to be honest with you. I think, like, I'm going to hip you to a secret. Are, are you sitting down? This might floor you. Nothing that happens on Twitter is real. The opinions aren't real. There's nothing real about it. Look, oh I don't have social media at all except for, like, leaping through the Kane, or our, like, Twitter account for the podcast. You would have thought that there were going to be 7,000 people in the building next year after after uh, signing D'Angelo. Yeah. yeah. You would have thought that people were going to rip things down from the rafters during the Ned trade. And this, that, the third, this trash franchise, I won't be a part of it. And I, I, I'm glad Don with Dell said this because I think we texted back and forth to each other. It was an hour line to get into the yard sale. Yeah. And I was, I was at the yard sale within two hours of it, like opening. And I was there, and I was just sitting next to this guy who was talking. He's like, yeah, it's already been our most successful yard sale ever. Do I think the Twitter people who, you know, have – it's them, their job, their uh, their sign, their pronouns, and then their three teams, and one of those three teams were the Canes. Are we heels to them now? Probably. But by and large, to the rest of the hockey community, like, let's be, like, super blunt here for a moment. We haven't won anything. So there's we're not heels. You know what makes you a heel when you knock teams out of the – you know where we're a heel? Nashville. We're not a heel, not yet. I, I think, to me, it, the more plugged in you are to Twitter, the more warped your perception of how these things go is on basically every topic you could ever think of. So, no, I don't. I think we're still pretty baby-faced until we win. I think that is the best possible way you could have said it because think of every heel we have. Like I were the sharks heel, like right? Jersey. No, the sharks weren't heel. Well, I to this day, New Jersey cannot beat us in a professional hockey league. Well, that might be different this year, but probably not. Cannot beat us in a professional hockey league game. But when I see them, I still get angry and want to destroy them. And that has nothing to do with recent history. That has everything to do with you know before we won the cup. And they were heels because they beat us. And the same way Boston was heels because they beat us. So we are not heels to anyone. Because we haven't won anything. Yeah, Done. and it's, and I people people are much. I think a lot of it is age too. I think older fans are more willing to give Tony D'Angelo a shot at being a human than Twitter fans. I, I think a lot of that. I'm going to give you an analogy, or I'm not an analogy, just an example, a comparable example. Kanye West released an album oh, this God. weekend. No, let me finish. And uh, instant classic. And on it, actually, the opening track after the chanting of his mother's name is called Jail. And it is him talking about uh, cancel culture and about, like, what happens when you're uh, a character. There's a line in the song that loosely paraphrases to I've been pulled over and I have priors, right? It's an interesting examination of cancel culture. So he, the 
on the album, he did four bonus tracks, right? And he did, on the album, he has, like, a Jay-Z verse, right? And then for the bonus track, which is also on the album, but it's not part of the full lesson, right? He does the same song, but he has a DaBaby, a DaBaby verse, and he got, to be honest, I don't remember exactly what he said. I think it was, like... No, it was, it was pretty bad. I, I, like, I don't even remember the quote. I just remember being like, yeah, you should probably not say that. But I, who cares? It doesn't matter what it is, right? And, and yeah, yeah. the context of the story. And then Marilyn Manson is on the track. So on the Kanye West Reddit, it's a very interesting phenomenon where if you brought up the baby and Marilyn Manson being on the album within the first few paragraphs, on average, you gave the album a 2.4 stars. If that didn't come up at all, or if it came up after the first three paragraphs, on average, the album got a, uh, a 4.2. Peel stuff with the Canes is the same way. The more the Tony D'Angelo thing matters to you, and the more that's like an unforgivable sin that you've already made your mind up on, they're already there, right? They're heels. They're fucking Triple H. But if you are willing to give them a chance, if because to be fair, I think people who are willing to give Tony D'Angelo a chance or who don't care are the majority, and I think those people would see us as baby faces still until we win. That's my comp. That's a real – That's a real. there's like 120 Donda reviews, by the way, and that's a real thing. Great podcast. Listen to Donda. 10 out of 10. Go Canes. It's the most Wesley thing you could have done to bring up Donda. Thank you for listening to the Home Ice Advantage podcast. As always, we very much appreciate it. Please follow and share with your friends. Send it to your Aunt Betty. Knock on your neighbor's door. Email it to a teacher, your boss. Who cares? Just make sure you share it. We appreciate you. We'll see you next time.